Pages, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about thrillers, mysteries, and horror books. Oh my. And interviewing Tom Ryan. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Well, Mallory, here's the thing about podcasting. Here we is. haven't seen each other in a whole month. Yes, that's this very interesting episode. We have a lot of bookmarks to talk about. We have because- so much, so much to talk about. And um, so if you listen to last week's episode, guess what? We recorded that a month ago because that's the way time works in podcasting. <laughs> well, so, you've been directing a movie. I directed a movie. So I've been gone for five weeks or so. And now I'm back and you've been on book tour. Yep. Um, so we have a lot of books that we haven't talked about. And there's a few books I read over the movie directing that I didn't read much, but I did read a couple and I kind of wanted to talk about one of them now. How do you feel about that? Tell me all about it. Okie dokie. So I was so busy and my brain would not turn off and all day long I would direct a movie and then all night long in my sleep I would direct a movie and I would have dreams about directing a movie that didn't make any sense. They weren't like I was working things out. They were just stress dreams. So I was like, you know what? I'll give my brain something else to work on. So I started reading a thriller slash mystery, which is also the theme of the show. So I thought it'd be a good time Perfect. to bring it up. So I read uh, Let Me Lie by Claire McIntosh, who's a writer I like, and I'll talk about that more in our main section of the show. But um, it was just a really great thing because then my brain would work on the mystery aspect of it at night instead of working on the, all, thinking about all the mistakes I made throughout the day. <laughs> this is a smart, smart reading strategy. It was a really great strategy. It's about a woman... Uh, Trigger warnings for suicide, death, lots of insane things. But it's about a woman who, um, uh, whose parents both committed suicide within a year of each other, but she always thought that it wasn't actually a suicide. And it's sort Ooh. of like her journey figuring that out, but it's like dangerous and her life is in danger. And she starts to find out things she shouldn't find out. And it's great. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. If you're going through a stressful time and your brain won't turn off, I I think a mystery is a really good idea because it really worked for me. That's brilliant. What have you been reading? I've also been stressed out because I am into my third month of book tour. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording in, in May um, and I've been super stressed out and traveling a lot and also keeping up with the podcast and movies, my movie stuff. And it's been nuts. So I've been listening. I've been doing a lot of audiobooks because I'm on planes all the time and I'm walking around. Like, audiobooks have been keeping me sane while I, like, rush through different gates at airports. And this the one that I've been listening to right now is incredible. It's called Notes on a Nervous Planet by Matt Haig, who wrote a great book uh, that some people might know called Reasons to Stay Alive. And it's a essay collection memoir about being nervous. And we live in this world where we're all connected to our smartphones and we're all connected to the internet. We're all addicted to social media. And he really examines that, how that affects us, how we can fix it. And he is British and he must come from a similar area that Neil Gaiman does because he has that like amazing narrator accent. Oh, nice. And it's so soothing to me. I have to get uh, tomorrow morning, I have to go back on a plane to San Francisco, and I just like cannot wait to just like sit in this uncomfortable plane seat and listen to this nice man tell me about why I shouldn't be anxious. <laughs> um, that's been on my list for a while, so it's I'm glad you liked it. Good. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay. And we're excited to announce that Sean is reading a new book. Sean. Sean always does this thing when it's time for him to come over and talk about it, where he like goes, <clears throat> and then he and then he takes a long time coming over. Here we go. Here well, we go. Because I'm nowhere near the microphone. <laughs> Sean, what are you reading? I'm reading All About Love by Bill Hooks. <gasps> you are? Per yeah. my suggestion? 
No. Oh, wow. Per <laughs> just I've wanted to read it for a long time. Oh. And um, I did my thing where I was walking around the bookstore and I was like, yes, today is the day for you. Yeah. Anyway. Wait, how did you decide that? How, how did you decide that? Uh, I just wander around and like I know. <laughs> figure out like what uh, what like connects with me right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, also, whew, great book, really thoughtful but uh, you uh, you could get some uh, some some crazy spiraling out of control mental stuff from that because uh, yeah yeah I definitely I used to call it the book that like it would it was like the breakup book where it would like kind of encourage me to break up with people sometimes because I'd be like this isn't love this isn't real like I would start to question all of the things. Well, it's about love. Uh, <laughs> And she's a feminist scholar, so she's, like, super smart. And, like, and so she, you know, it's not just, like, it's her opinions, but also, like, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if people can hear you right now, Mallory, not talking on mic. No, they can't. I I read all about love on Bria's recommendation. Wait, shut we're not done with you. Oh. <laughs> and I, I loved it, so I'm happy. This is maybe the first book that the entire Reading Glasses staff has, has Ooh, read. Yeah, it is. Would you recommend it for people? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's really... Like I said, it's very thoughtfully written, and um, I just think that it's it's about something that's important, and I think a lot of people could benefit from reading it. Um, but yeah, it's also just interesting to hear this ta- this uh, perspective and take on this. Yeah. yeah, I should do a reread. Yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm reading "Let Me Lie" by Claire McIntosh. Uh, I am- I read it. I already read it. Oh, I'm done. It's fine. I'm still (laughs) reading Notes from a Nervous Planet by Matt Haig, and Sean is reading uh, All About Love by Bell Hooks. So we're going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from Megan. Megan says, I'm interested in in getting into horror books. Where would be a good place to start? I prefer something more modern, written recently, I mean. I know Stephen King is always recommended, but maybe some other authors. I've had trouble finding other authors suggested online. I'm interested in paranormal and serial killer stuff. Also, any good horror slash mystery specific bookstores in the L.A. area. Bria, what should Megan read? Oh, well, you're at the right place. Yes. Um, the first book that comes to mind is Head Full of Ghosts. Hell or yeah. anything by former guest of the show, Paul Tremblay. Um, I think he- Head Full of Ghosts is a really nice uh, paranormal, but like uh, deeper than just paranormal book. So it's, and it really scared me. And I'm also going to say one of the scariest books I've read in the last few years is that book Hex. Yeah. By Thomas Old. Hewvelt. Hewvelt. Uvolt. Um it is also has a paranormal aspect to it. It's about a town that is haunted by haunted, I guess is plagued, the word. I guess plagued by, by, a, witch by a witch curse. Uh by witch curse. And it, but it's set in modern in the modern time. So <clears throat> it seems when you first start reading it, you're like, this is gonna be a light book. And then it gets like it's like the heaviest, darkest, scariest book I've read in a really long time. Yeah, it's fucked up. I don't know if I've read anything darker than it. In the last three years. I feel like I read it about three years ago. So you can go there, and it's going to scare you. I went with Scary Paranormal. What, what do you think? Also, first up, Megan, if you are in Los Angeles, you got to go check out Dark Delicacies. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a horror-specific bookstore in Burbank, and they're the best. They just moved to a new location. And it just opened up like two days ago, the new location. Yeah, they're, I love them. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, second, my recommendation for this is The Shining Girls by Lauren Bukas, who is one of my favorite authors. And it's a little more thrillery, but it's still scary. It's a book about a time-traveling serial killer 
trailer, so you can't really get much better than that. Oh, it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's weird. It's scary. It's super well written. Yeah, it's, it's super a, it's super spooky. I like that book, too. Yeah, it's a great place to start if you're trying to get into horror. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Ooh, speaking of newsletters. Yes, we have a bunch of bookmarks. Okay. A bunch okay. of housekeeping here. So first off, this is actually the first episode we've recorded since the Max Fund Drive. So we want to thank you all, all the people who signed up to support Reading Glasses. It really made the entire world difference to us. It helps us make the show. We Again, Bria and I have been traveling and gone for basically months and the support that we get from reading glasses helps us keep making a show every week even though we're not here so thank you thank you thank you and because of all the people who signed up we got uh the reading glasses goal we got to is that you guys all get a new newsletter every month with extra book recommendations and snack and cocktail pairings from me and bria yeah (laughs) if you get the newsletter now you'll get two newsletters a month this is more of like a backlist kind of book yes that we all that we enjoy you get to yeah you get to hear extra uh hear about extra books that we love and hear about some good snacks and cocktails um also a couple housekeeping things for me personally one uh i found out that lady from the black lagoon was on the la times bestseller list for two weeks so southern california i fucking love you thank you so so much uh and also a little weird personal note but only because i talk about it so much on the podcast is alan and i have separated uh so i just want all of our listeners to know that i talk about alan a lot uh, and all the seven cats, I will be moving out, and I will be only having two cats now, and uh, yeah. Uh, way less cats. Way less cats, and uh, less books, but it is fine. I'm fine. Everything's good. Thank you for respecting my privacy, but uh, just to stop people from, prevent people from wondering what the fuck was going on, I just wanted to let everybody know that. Uh, so before we talk about thrillers versus mysteries versus horror books, we're going to take a quick break. Bria, you know it's the worst? What? When you need a tampon and you don't have one and you're stuck in the bathroom and you don't know what to do. Ugh, it's the worst because you're on your period. You're upset already. You need something to plug it up. You don't have anything. Hey, you know what you could do? You can get Lola, which is a tampon delivery service. Exactly. What? It's the modern approach to feminine care. So, And it's a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. And unlike other major brands, Lola's products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. I'll be real with you. I use Lola and have been using Lola since before they were a sponsor of, of this show. And I think they're really fantastic. And you can, it comes in the mail every month. You don't even have to think about it. Just set it to come right before your period. So they're going to arrive. They'll be there. It reminds you you're getting a period. All sorts of things that this company does that are really great. And then you don't have to stand in the supermarket, which is like the massive tampon wall. And it's like being at Ollivander's and Harry Potter. And you're trying to figure out the exact kind of tampon <laughs> you need. You don't have to do that with Lola. There's no, there's no mystery fibers. There's no doubts about what's in the tampon. It comes in a simple, customizable subscription. So no matter what you need or how much you need of it or how often you need it, Lola will be able to take care of you. Yeah, and the subscription is super flexible. You can choose a mix of products, boxes, frequency, and you can stop it anytime you want. I was out of town last month. I just had them put it on hold for a month. I just didn't get it. So that way I wouldn't have a bunch of tampons piling up in my house. You don't want to stockpile those tampons? Here's the thing. You should always stockpile tampons. True. Apocalypses. I yep. mean, come on. No, they're very They're very handy. And for every purchase, Lola will donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S., and so, as you might have guessed, Reading Glasses is sponsored in part by Lola. Thank you very much. So, for 40%, 40% what? of all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter glasses when you subscribe. Glasses. Glasses. 
Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases, I ask them questions, they're good ones, and then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flobie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. So this week, it's all thrills and chills. There's a lot of confusion surrounding the genre differentiations between mysteries, thrillers, and horror books. And we've talked a little bit about it before, but we're going to go into in-depth today. What's the difference between all these genres, and does it even fucking matter? And first off, Bria, what's, what is a mystery book? So a mystery is a fictional story that involves mysteries, you know? Something, what? something, Crazy. something needs to be solved. Like, oh no, what's happening? We gotta figure it out. It's something your brain is gonna work on. It's a death. It's a murder. It's a heist. It's a kidnapping. It's some kind of crime, usually. Yeah. Not always. I feel like there was like a whole like, uh, you know, like there's probably like some small town, like somebody's cake was stolen out of the window mysteries. Yeah. I'm sure there's yeah, things the co- like that. Yeah, the cozy mysteries. Yeah, cozy like- mystery. Yeah. Um, they don't have to be scary. They don't have to have death and murder, but they can. And yes. a lot of them do. But, yes, but, but they don't necessarily, when you're reading a mystery book, it might not be scary. Yeah, it could be like, oh, and someone's cat goes missing and they found it. And like, you know, there could be, yeah, yeah. that's still a mystery because you're figuring out that's what. That's pretty scary if my cat goes yeah, missing. That's scary. a horror book to me. Okay, but what about a thriller? So a thriller is always a mystery, but a mystery isn't always a thriller. So a thriller is generally a mystery, but with more blue thrilling elements. High stakes, high adrenaline, you're afraid someone's going to die. A straight up mystery is more about solving the mystery, whereas thrillers are more tense and character focused with a lot of like intense pacing. Yeah, I feel like a thriller is like the one where you're like, there is this thing I have to solve and time is running out for whatever reason. Maybe I'm being chased. Maybe there's something someone else is being killed or chased. There's a countdown. There's There's murderers afoot. Yeah, there's someone... There's some sort of like time element. Yeah. Not necessarily specifically time, but this you is, know, there's a lot of tension. You're in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're in a <laughs> A thriller is a mystery, but in a hurry. <laughs> With murder. <laughs> With death. And so, and then the last one, it's a horror books. What, what what's the deal with horror books? They're they're supposed to scare you. It could be supernatural. It doesn't have to be. It might be a mystery, it might be thrilling. Thrillers aren't intentionally trying to scare you, though. Yeah, they're not... Thrillers aren't trying to horrify you. Horrify you, yes. Yes, horror books are trying to horrify you. Yeah, and so horror, I think, is what we think of when, like, there's a ghost element. There's a spooky vampire. There is... Yes, there's some some, sort of spooky element happening here. Yeah. If if it has a ghost, it's probably a horror book. Yes. Not necessarily. I guess you could have a mystery where a ghost is, like, solving a mystery. Or you could have a literary fiction with a ghost in it. You could. And also... There is, like, some detective novels, like, that have, that, you know, maybe it's a ghost solving a mystery. Yeah. A detective ghost. Yeah. Ghost detective. Yes. Our mm-hmm. friend Leanna Heber, uh, who wrote The Spectral City, her books are about ghost solving mysteries. Yeah. See? There we go. 
Um, but so the thing about these terms is that they're for marketing purposes. Yeah. And it's really only been in the last few years that horror has been really marketable again in the publishing world. Until recently, a lot of horror books were called supernatural thrillers. Plus, a lot of these terms are really subjective. And I wish thrillers were like, you know, when you go to a restaurant and it they comes with like a certain number of little chili peppers next Ooh, yeah, to the dish yeah. on the menu to show you how spicy they are. I have a really high tolerance for horror. So thrillers are never scary to me. They're not super thrilling, you know, unless like they're snakes. But if not you- thrilling, says Mallory O'Mara. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I have, a, I need a lot of horror chilies. So if you have a very low tolerance for horror, but some thrillers might be horror books for you. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? true. I have a high tolerance for chilies. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> I. What if it's a thriller book? About some really spicy food. I can handle it. I love a spicy food. The spicier, the better. Bring it on. Now, I don't, I love a, a Thai chili and a jalapeno. Don't don't give me a wasabi, though. No, no thank you. Um, uh, what I was going to say is that also with the horror book being, horror books being popular and horror being popular, there is a little bit, Mallory and I both sit in the horror community, sit firmly in the horror community. And there's a bit of like, um, I feel like there's a bit of, we're all a little bit like, Oh, now horror is popular because horror is starting to make money in like all these different genres. And there's people who are dipping their toes into it who clearly are not fans. But I'm all for horror being popular. Yeah. Bring it It on. It gives me more shit to read More shit to read, more shit to watch. I'm all about it. And so basically for as a reader, it's good to know the gist about these terms when you're book shopping, because even though they are very subjective, they can give you a rough idea of what to suspect. So you're probably not going to get a gory murder scene in a straight mystery. And while in a thriller, you should probably prepare for some intense stuff like something that I've been doing uh, because I'm on book tour and I'm stressed out is that I haven't been reading thrillers because I don't want to be I don't want any more tension in my life. But I'm interested. I would read a mystery because I want something to keep my brain occupied, but I don't want to feel stressed out. Oh, interesting. I think a thriller really works for me when I'm stressed out because, like I said at the beginning of the show, it gives my brain something to work through and like and it distracts me. Cuz the problem is like I do the thing and everyone is guilty of this I think where I'm reading and I start thinking about something else. But if I'm kind of like freaked out for the character, I will like stay in there and I'm like, "But well, what's she going to do?" You want to up the stakes, you want more stress. What is this woman? How is she going to get out? Um what about you? Do you have any thrillers that you would recommend to people? Uh, one of my favorite authors ever and um my favorite, I mean, I've talked about Tana French a lot on the show, so I'm going to talk about my other favorite thriller mystery writer is Megan Abbott. Mm. I have read all of her thrillers. Uh, she also has a noir series, but I've only read her thrillers, and they're such a great start for someone who wants to get into thrillers. All, all of her stories are about, like, basically the horror of being a teenage girl and, like, how intense groups of teenage girls can be like there's a book dare me which is all about a gymnastics team oh cool and the like these girls pushing them these teenage girls pushing themselves to the limit and how far they'll go and like the really intense teenage girl dynamics because teenage girls can be terrifying but they're super well written i read dare me in one sitting like it's a great great place to start Uh, i think we both also loved adam sternberg's the blinds which is a great straight up mystery i've gotten it from the library several (sighs) times and have never actually read it i'm so sorry adam sternberg um, you can borrow it from me. It's I weird. should just, I get it, and then I don't have time to read it, and I should. Just borrow it from me. It's great. It's a great, uh, it's a right great mystery about this woman who moves to this town. It's like a prison town because everybody in the town has been convicted of some terrible crime, but they've all, all their memories have been wiped. Um, so everyone there has done something bad or has uh, been a witness to something bad, but things... Like, and there's no guns, no weapons allowed there. But all of a sudden, the first night she's there, this woman moves there. 
someone's killed themselves. Yeah, I and just got it from the library again. And it's <laughs> and it start, everything starts unraveling, and it's so good. Uh, I also love, on the thriller side, there's a great book by Kia Wilson called We Eat Our Own, mm. uh, which takes place, uh, it's about, it's um, a fictionalization of a story of a movie that actually happened called Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah. And it was shot down in South America. The, 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 um, the book follows these actors who go down to South America to shoot this weird horror movie and once they get down there things aren't what they think it is and things really rapidly start falling apart and there's a side plot about these this these guerrilla warriors that are um in like living or around the area in the in south america where the movie's being shot it's very tense you don't 100 percent know what's going on all the time it's very it's it, it could be horror depending yeah, so on see, is it horror it, it's like for for a three chili reader, mm, okay. For a three, three ghost, chili for thriller. a three ghost reader, it's not. But if you have one ghost by the one ghost reader, if you max out at one ghost, don't check out We Eat Our Own. Yes, <laughs> okay. but it, uh, I mean, I mean, you can if you want to be scared. It's a really great book, though. Hmm. Bria, what about you? Um, well, I would recommend Claire McIntosh for thrillers, mysteries, who I talked about at the beginning. Um. She writes, she was a, um, she worked in the police force and she lives in Wales. So a lot of her books are set in Wales. And um, they're all really realistic because she worked in the police force. So she has like a background in policing. Is that a word? Yeah. Policification. That's what police do. Um, They police things. And uh, so she's, so all of them are like, they're they're kind of true crime-ish, but like from the inside. And uh, if you're looking for thrillers, she's a really, she writes great thrillers. That's a person I would totally recommend. Um, I read this book over the holidays I would to- I would recommend called The Perfect Nanny. I can't remember if I talked about it on the show. I can't remember either. I remember you telling me about it. Yeah, by Leela Slimani. And it's French. <clears throat> it's a 2016 novel. It's French. Um, it, I think it maybe just was translated into English because it was in a lot of, like, best of last year. I read it towards the end of the year. And it's great. It's a, like... You know, there's a lot of trigger warnings. Go check those out. But there's it's um, about, you know, how they hire a nanny. These people hire a nanny. And you you think you know where that is going, that plot. And I promise you, you do not know where it is going. Ooh. It is so much more. And it's more it's like literary fiction with thriller. So it's yeah. very like more character focused, very character focused. And and you will get a lot. Out. It's a great book. And I couldn't put it down. I thought it was like really fascinating. Um, yeah, I would recommend those two for sure. So you can send your thoughts on thrillers and mysteries to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author Tom Ryan, we're going to take a quick break. Hello, this is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. And so I have to write material that makes sense and makes people laugh. I also have to think about what I'm saying to people. If I kick your ass, I'll make you famous. The fight to get LGBTQ representation in the show. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. I really just became a political speechwriter by accident, realizing that I have accidentally uh, pulled my pants down. <laughs> Listen and subscribe at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. It's like if the guinea pig was complicit in helping the scientist. Hi, we're here with author Tom Ryan. Tom, thank you for coming on the show. Oh my God, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. What are you reading right now? 
Um, right now I'm about halfway through Affinity by Sarah Waters, and um, she's pretty much my favorite living writer. And I, I know this is the only book of hers I haven't read yet, so I'm kind of dragging it out because as far as I know, she doesn't have anything else coming down the line. Um, and I also listen to a lot of audiobooks, so I usually have a physical book and an audiobook on the go at the same time. Um, and right now I'm listening to Sunburn by Laura Lippman, uh, which is another suspense thriller, and I only just started, but so far it's, it's pretty great. Great. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your new book, Keep This to Yourself? Yes, absolutely. Um, so Keep This to Yourself is a young adult mystery thriller about a gay teen named Mac who lives in a small, quiet coastal town called Camera Cove. And a year before the story begins, a serial killer basically went on a, a rampage through Camera Cove and killed four people and then disappeared. And so the murders are still unsolved. So now it's a year later and people are trying to pull their lives back together but Mac is struggling because one of the victims was his best friend, Connor, who Mac kind of secretly had feelings for. So Mac is just starting to wrap his head around things, and he's starting to think about leaving town, going to college, making a fresh start, when he finds a note from Connor that he somehow overlooked a year ago. And the note basically indicates that when he died, when he was murdered, uh, Connor was on the trail of the killer, and he wanted Mac's help. So, of course, Mac feels a lot of guilt about missing this clue, and he decides to start looking into things himself. And he begins to learn things about Camera Cove and the people he's known his whole life that basically throw everything he's ever known into question. So it's pretty dark. It's really twisty and turny. There are a lot of surprises. There's a little bit of romance. And ultimately, it's kind of a, a queer teen twist on the murder mysteries I grew up loving. Um, someone reviewed it recently and said it was kind of like Murder, She Wrote with a gay teen, Jessica Fletcher, which is <laughs> like, right? So, you know, that pretty much put a, a smile on my face for the rest of the week. Yeah, the best compliment of all time. Absolutely. That's amazing. Uh, did you read a lot of true crime or any serial killer books to prep for writing this? Um, I read a bit of true crime, but not a, not a ton. Um, for inspiration, I tend to stick to fiction, um, but I do listen to tons and tons of true crime podcasts. Uh, my favorite murder, somebody knows something, criminal, and I think they all had an impact in one way or another. Um, as far as prep, I, I really wanted the plot to be really tight, and so I worked really hard on that. I planned the story out meticulously over a long, you know, several months, and uh, I did my best to keep things surprising but also convincing. And I, I think just as important to me was the atmosphere. I wanted the vibe of the book to be immersive and paranoid and really creepy, and so hopefully I achieved that. And what about, so you like thrillers, obviously. Can you recommend any that you read or um, ones that you found inspiring or like just ones that people should read if they like thrillers? Oh, man, I love thrillers. I grew up uh, reading thrillers. I When I was a kid, I was in the hospital for a little while. And the children's ward in the hospital I was in had complete sets of Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. So I, <laughs> I completely inhaled them. I was in for maybe a week and a half. And I, I think I read at least 80% of them. And that kind of got me going in this like murder mystery kick that still hasn't gone away. Um, and when I was in high school, I kind of graduated to, to darker stuff like Lois Duncan. Um, I know what you did last summer and, and the Christopher Pike books, of course, uh, the kind of sinister teen thrillers that were really popular back in the eighties and the nineties. Um, and those books really had uh, an impact on, on keep this to yourself. I, I kind of wanted to have that really dark, really twisted, um, teen thriller, but with a, with a gay twist. Um, and today I still read loads of thrillers. I love Gillian Flynn. Um, everybody knows, uh, of course, Gone Girl and, uh, Sharp Objects. Um, but I, I think, um, Dark Places is my, my favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, I love Megan Abbott. I don't know if you've read Megan Abbott, but she's just 
unbelievable. She does these incredible noir uh, throwback style novels, but she also does contemporary thrillers that are just, you know, above and beyond. And, you know, I love Stephen King. You you name it. I, I, I read pretty much everything out there in that genre. To me, as a reader, there's there's really nothing more satisfying than getting to the big reveal at the end of a thriller and being completely gobsmacked, but also feeling like, oh, man, I should have seen that. If I just picked up on this clue and this clue, maybe I, I, I could have figured out what was going on. I just love that feeling. Do you find you're doing that in real life, too? Are you ever trying to figure out the clue, the mystery to something that's happening in your life? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> I'm constantly, constantly bewildered by what's going on around me, so I try, <laughs> try to keep on top of things. Um, so what about when you're writing? Is it ever like you, you write, it's scary stuff. Are you ever scared when you're writing or does anything freak you out? Okay. So most of the time I would say no, because most of the time I'm in a a city in a, you know, a pretty lively, I'm, I generally write from home and we live in Toronto right now. So I'm, I'm in my apartment working and it's not a very scary environment. However, uh, my husband and I are both from Nova Scotia on the east coast of Canada. And a few years ago, we bought a really old, really rundown, really, really creepy farmhouse in the backwoods of Nova Scotia. And it's a great spot. It's really remote. We're, we're the only house at the very end of a twisty gravel road far back in the woods. And we don't have any neighbors. And last year, I spent a couple of months there by myself and, well, me and the dog. And I was writing another thriller, which is uh, going to come out next year. and. I had a few moments where I basically just decided, you know what? I don't think I can do this in this environment right now. Uh, there was one one evening in particular where I was, uh, it was rainy and kind of foggy and there were just creepy noises coming from the forest, which was right up against the house. The dog started to act weird. And long story short, I, I basically noped out of there. I grabbed my toothbrush and threw the dog in the car and drove 20 minutes to my mom's house. Like I, I just can't do this. I should mention I'm 42 years old, so <laughs> um, I guess it gets the best of all of us at one time or another. But you know, you get used to the creepiness. But I think that's kind of a sign of uh, I'm doing something right if I can spook myself. Yeah. Well, you bought that spooky house. That sounds so spooky. <laughs> a little bit. Um, okay. So tell us a little bit about your own reading life. Um, do you have any reading quirks? Obviously, you like audiobooks as well as. Uh, physical books, but anything else? Well, I read all the time. It's my favorite pastime. It always has been. Um, and I think as far as quirks, I, I have a couple. One is that I'm extremely particular about what I read. When I finish one book and I go to start the next, I always have something really specific that I, I like, for instance, maybe I, I'm looking for, I, I want a mystery that has a ghost in it and there's an old stone house or I need something that explores the satanic panic in the eighties in Wisconsin or, you know, I have these really particular needs when I go looking for a new book. And uh, I think the other thing is that when I travel, I go completely overboard. I, I, um, I was skiing last month for, I went on a four day trip. And I took 12 books with me just in case, because I didn't know, you know, I'm going to finish something and then I'm going to need that. I need the perfect thing afterwards. And I have a hard time narrowing it down. <laughs> I like that. That's very adorable though. That's a, that's a cute habit. Yeah. I mean, it, it fills up the, the space pretty quickly. <laughs> um, what about, what is your reader wheelhouse? That's like anything that and you see a book that has this and no matter what, you're going to pick that book up and read it. Okay, well, I, I already kind of alluded to this, but I love 
thrillers, suspense. I love literary suspense. Any book that's really beautifully written, but plot driven and kind of creepy. So I mentioned Sarah Waters already. Uh, she's just incredible. And every book she writes is just better than the last one. Um, I love Tana French. I love Shirley Jackson, Donna Tartt. Um, anything where the writing is really top notch, but the, the story kind of grips you and kind of creeps you out. Um, I'm also really into boarding school books. I, oh. I, I anything like, um, you know, the secret history by Donna Tartt, which is more of a college, you know, cr- creepy college story, but that's sort of a bunch of young people kind of cloistered away, away from society. Th- those books are great. I've been, I've been reading the, um, the, uh, truly devious series by the young adult novelist, uh, Maureen Johnson. And they're mm-hmm. just fantastic. They're there are two out, and I think the third comes out next year. The first was Truly Devious. The second was The Vanishing Stare. And they're set at a, a boarding school in, in upstate Vermont, in remote Vermont. And they're just amazing, twisty, with all sorts of great characters. And I, I just love that kind of stuff. You know, I think I do too. I think I do like a board. I It's so far away from anything I grew up with, but I do love a good boarding school book. Well, I, d- I didn't go to boarding school by any stretch, but I, I think when I was a kid, I had moments where I wished I would just get shipped mm-hmm. to boarding school. Maybe that had something to do with it because you you just see these, uh, you know, groups of kids who they're away from their parents and they, they join cool clubs and stuff like that. And I, I just find something about that really appealing. Yeah, me too. Um, so where can people find you online? Where can they find your book? Uh, this is your time to promote. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm on mostly my social media presence is uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, they're both at Tom Ryan author. And I post lots of pictures of my dog on Instagram. And he's really cute. So I recommend checking that out. And um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter, you know, as much as I feel like I need to be in, in the t- in any given time. And, uh, you know, I, I have a love hate relationship with Twitter, like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is TomRyanAuthor.com. And you can also find uh, some more specific information about this book at keepthistoyourselfbook.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it was great. Thanks so much for having me. And a quick note here to to just for listeners that Tom Ryan's book is coming out on May 25th. Uh, So that's Keep This to Yourself on May 25th. Now it's time to answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Lisbeth writes in, I was just thinking that I need trigger warnings for babies dying in books. I'm reading The Changeling by Victor Lavelle, and I had no idea it was coming. And ever since having a child, I just really don't want to hear about any baby death. But how would they do it without it being a spoiler? Bria, what do you think? Um, yeah, they should just do that. Yeah. <laughs> so after reading this, I went to the Does the Dog Die website, which is a crowdsourced website for trigger warnings we've talked about on the show. Does the dog die.com, I think is what it is. Um, and I looked to see it does have a category for does a kid die. And it's all crowdsourced, so you know it's not hundred percent reliable, but it's I think more and more people are using it. Um, and I went and looked up the changeling just to see, and yeah, it does say like, does a kid die? Someone had answered yes. Um I think I'm gonna start contributing to this website too, because I read so much. I feel like and I yeah. can I can come through I with those trigger warnings. Yeah. Um I'm bad about contributing to crowdsourced things but I'm hoping this website catches on because it's very helpful it's extremely helpful I can see how this would be super awful for you it's something we should keep in mind when recommending books I'm sorry I feel like I've recommended that book many times probably without a trigger warning I mean there are a lot of trigger warnings ones that probably I don't think of that's one I should really think of (laughs) that's a that's a big one no absolutely That's that's a huge trigger warning um I mean 
it is the changeling, so like that is like sort of a part of a changeling story. Yeah, it's kid stuff, but yeah, yeah. I guess I mean, if there's kid stuff, I would definitely look at it because if it's kid stuff in genre, yeah, I would be careful. Especially about with it. like some like we talk about Paul Tremblay a lot. Yeah, Paul Tremblay. The, yeah. Look at, yeah, be careful in all those trigger warnings for a kid death and all of those Yeah, books. for sure. Um, yeah, I would say check out this website. Um, but also, you could go read a little review. Yeah. I would do that. And I think, I don't know, I didn't go read any reviews of The Changeling to see. That, that could be another way to figure this out. But if there's a kid, I would be careful. It's similar to, to, to dogs with me, whereas I just don't read that many dog books anymore because I'm just, like, scared the dog is going to yeah. die. So I don't pick them up. Yeah. Obviously, that's, you know, a, a lighter trigger warning probably than what she has. What What do you think? So here's the thing. So I used to be one of those people that was like, no, trigger warnings, because I'm so crazy about spoilers. And then I stopped being a trash baby about it. Because first off, there are already so many spoilers on books that you don't even realize. I was thinking about this the other day when I was looking at the cover of Harry Potter's Prisoner of Azkaban. The cover is the spoiler for what happens in the book. It's literally the climactic scene from the book. Really? But, yeah. It's them flying away on the fucking griffin away from Azkaban. Oh, wow. So, but, but like, what th- people need to realize about trigger warnings and what ultimately made me, besides being not being a trash baby and being kind to people, and what ultimately really won me over is that by the time you get to that part of the book, you're fucking forgotten about it. Yeah, it's true, actually. You know, it's like when you see something I mean, in obviously a, I agree. When you see something in a movie, you know, and it's like nudity warning, the whole time you're not watching the movie going, ooh, when the naked people coming. When I'm going to see those boobs. <laughs> <laughs> you're just not thinking about it because no. you're into it. So I think we should absolutely have trigger warnings on the fronts of books. It just, if just for the big things, you know. Or on the backs. Yeah, suicide, you know, kid death, rape, like stuff like that. You know, they write, might really prevent someone from having a panic attack. And again, by the time you get into the book, you've forgotten about them when you start reading. You're not like, mm. they, it's, it's really, I don't think it actually spoils anything. It's yeah. the, is the big thing for me. And I definitely think that some publishers should get on board with doing that. So, Lizbeth, you are not, you're not alone and you're not unreasonable. I think this is a great idea. I'm going to look at Goodreads really fast just to see if... There's any Goodreads could be really good about this. Yeah, I wonder if Goodreads, you know, Goodreads, you should add something to something on this. Yeah, you know, the the descriptions of the book do not say that there is uh, the death of a child. Um, they only say that um, before Apollo can do anything to help, Emma commits a horrific act beyond any parent's comprehension. But you don't know what that is. So, like, yeah, interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah, I think Goodreads could help with this. Goodreads. Goodreads. Get Start on it. Start trigger warnings. But I think the Doug's, Does the Dog Die website is pretty yes, good. Absolutely. So if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your reader question, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. And remember, if you want to support the show and show off your love of reading, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. It's always a link in the show notes. And if you like the show... Please rate and review us on iTunes. We haven't been done, we haven't done a big push for new ratings and reviews in a while, but it always always helps us. It helps us get more guests. It helps us get more listeners. It makes the show look great, and uh, it really we really really appreciate it. Uh, it's a great free way to support the show. And Take- we're at uh, six hundred and sixty five. 
reviews, which we're is al- we're almost at the at the devil's number. We're almost. Oh my gosh! Someone give us one more review. Somebody please, please review <laughs> it so we can have six hundred sixty six reviews, and my goth heart will will sing. <laughs> and so you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail Find us on Twitter at reading g podcast on Instagram at reading glasses podcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast. Thanks for listening, and, and thanks, thanks for reading. reading. Oh, monsters are scared, said Letty. And as for grown-ups... She stopped talking, rubbed her freckled nose with a finger. Then... I'm going to tell you something important. Grown-ups don't look like grown-ups on the inside, either. Outside, they're big and thoughtless, and they always know what they're doing. Inside, they look just like they always have. Like they did when they were your age. The truth is, there aren't any grown-ups. Not one in the whole wide world. She thought for a moment, then she smiled. Except for Granny, of course. Excerpt from The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.